The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. We ran out of episodes because there was no Thursday night show, Thursday night recap. So we're doing a Saturday night recap. That's right, an extra show with three Saturday games on. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Excited to talk with the super friends, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner McGuff. Sean, I got to say, buddy. Three straight days of watching Star Wars. You look exhausted. First of all, only two days of watching Star Wars. I did see, however, the movie twice in a span of roughly 12 hours. That's So I I went Thursday night, and then I went Friday morning. Oh, so you didn't go Saturday morning? No, because I I wasn't going to go Thursday night. I was going to go Friday morning and Saturday morning. And then I just could not even, like, log on to the Internet or Twitter because people were, like, adding me fake spoilers, and it was just really annoying, and I was worried. They were? Yeah, a lot of people were, like, adding me. I mean, obviously fake spoilers, um, just but, like, still trying to mess with me. And so I went two days without checking my mentions, period, which actually, I mean, this shows I'm addicted to Twitter. Harder than you would think to, like, go on Twitter for work purposes but not be able to check when you're getting notifications. So I ended up going Thursday night because I couldn't hold so off any longer. You guys probably don't know this because you don't listen to the fantasy podcast with Heath Cummings. But I started the show off by telling everyone who listens to the podcast to send Sean fake spoilers all day, Thursday and Friday. <laughs> and we also spent 20 minutes on this podcast telling people to do that while also saying that we we're all going to text spoilers to Sean, which I forgot because I didn't pay my phone bill and my, my texting wasn't working. See, so, I was I was worried a little bit about Breacher or Brinson maybe seeing it and texting me. So then I was like, Thursday, I got I got to go. So, so in, thought, instead, you, wait, instead of sending spoilers, I was sending Sean naked pictures of baby Yoda, and I don't know what he did with them, so. Um, you don't actually think I would go out of my way to go see a, a brand new movie and then text 100% you. you would do something like that. <laughs> Without question. No, I wouldn't do that to Sean with Star Wars. That'd be horrible and cruel. I have a, another question. So, Sean, you're 26 or 27? 27. That was his only, that was his question. That was it. That was Now, my follow-up <laughs> question is. Uh, you're the future Mrs. Sean Wagner McGuff. What if she hates Star Wars? Ooh. I mean, that's fine. But like, what if she's gonna leave think, her for like two straight my, days to go on a Star Wars bender? The next time it comes out, and she's gonna be like, "This is my future husband, this weirdo wearing a Yoda mask." First of all, um, she Count, doesn't counterpoint, get... counterpoint. The current Mrs. Brinson hates football, and here we are. So. Well, well, and what if what if the new Mrs. Wagner McGuff also demands that you add another hyphen and her last name to your last name so that you have three last names? And hey. her last name is Wagner. Sean Wagner McGuff Wagner. <laughs> it's like the story of like how Madison Bumgarner used to date someone named Madison Bumgarner. Wait, I like I like Mrs. Sean. Don't know about that story. Madison Bumgarner used to date somebody named who? Madison Bumgarner. You sure? Oh, yeah. From like from way back in the day. I mean, I guess, I mean, he's, he, like, he's from like a small ass town in, near Hickory, North Carolina. That wouldn't be surprising. Um, yeah, you got a bunch of bum garners. Madison's a girl and a guy's name. That kind of makes sense. Checks out. Who had dated their cousin if you live in North Carolina? Who amongst us hasn't dated their cousin? He's uh, like, quote, no relation. I'm sure of it. He did. Anyway, it. let's talk some football. Good start to the show though. Keeping it short, tight. I like it. <laughs> let's dive right in with the, uh, San Francisco 49ers. A, 
Uh, a heartfelt victory for the 49ers. Uh, CJ Beathard lost, uh, Peter Schrager of Fox Sports reported, NFL Network reported after the game that Kyle Shanahan gave an inspiring family oriented speech. Um, CJ Beathard, the backup quarterback, lost his brother in a, a tra- tragic accident in Nashville. Um, and the 49ers won 34 to 31 in a game that eliminated the Rams from the playoffs, a game that set up the 49ers and the Seahawks for a week 17 matchup that will determine the division winner. Even if the Seahawks lose to Arizona, uh, they could, they would still win the division if they beat San Francisco because of the head to head tiebreaker. And a game, I think, Sean, that raised a lot of questions about Jimmy Garoppolo's status. Uh, 16 of 27, 248 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, a, a, a kind of a clutch game, but not very, not a very impressive game. Yeah, this was the, for most of this game, this was the Garoppolo that we were concerned about up until like the past month when he actually played pretty well against a good stretch of opponents. Um, But you mentioned it. I think the one redeeming quality um, is that look at what he did on the final two drives. Um, So he had the six-play 81-yard drive um, with the 49ers trailing in that game, and they took the lead. So a lot of that was George Kittle on a 36-yard catch. That Most of it was Yak, 23 yards. Uh, But if you go look at that touchdown pass outside the pocket, that was an impressive throw um, and a good play by him. And then you look at the final drive. It's funny because the final drive is kind of a microcosm of this game where he converts two third and 16s, which gets the 49ers into field goal range. But the only reason they were in those third and 16s is because he took really bad sacks and he was sacked, I believe, six times. And some of that is on the offensive line, but some of it was he just looked lost in the pocket and didn't really understand when to get rid of it. So uh, an uneven performance, but I mean, at this stage in the season, no one cares if it's uneven if you convert those two third and 16s, um, which he did. And, and Sean just mentioned those last two drives. He was on fire. Like, we can say Garoppolo got the yak there, but Jimmy threw two strikes. He threw a strike to him. He threw two strikes on those third and 16s. And I don't know how Emmanuel Sanders got that wide open on that 46-yard catch except the game-winning field goal. But, again, Garoppolo threw another strike. If he would have flubbed any one of those throws, then the 49ers aren't in the position to win that game. And over the final two possessions, we're talking about when Jimmy showed a little bit of clutchness because he was – doo-doo the entire game leading up to those possessions last two possessions he went six of eight for 134 yards and a touchdown every other possession combined in that game he only threw for 114 yards so he threw for more yards in those last two possessions than he did in the whole game combined peter schrager tweeted out after the game that the 49ers hadn't converted a single third and 15 plus all season and he just mentioned sean that jimmy g did it twice on that drive um what's his name uh Taylor Rapp, the, the rookie safety from Washington. I don't know what he was doing on that bomb to Manny Sanders in the middle who, of the field. Who, by the way, he's been having an awesome year. Like, he's Great been a big issue for them. Yeah. And the reason he slipped to the second round is because he ran like a 4-7 or something on his pro day because people loved him sort of once this, the college season was over last year. And he was injured. I don't think he, he participated in the combine. No, no matter. I don't know what kind of coverage he was playing on that drive where Jalen Ramsey looked like he was going to beat him over the head with uh, Manny Sanders' leg. Uh, he was pretty bummed out about that. Um, and that pretty much sealed the deal at the end of the game. Um, earlier in the game, and a much bigger mistake, I would say, is Jared Goff throwing the ball straight to – who was that in the flat that he threw the ball straight to? Fred Warner. Fred, Fred Warner. Oh, my God. Linebacker, BYU, second round. Second Come round. join oh, the Warner brothers and the Warner sister dot. Is the Warner brothers. The thing about that, that interception, not that Jared Goff threw it because we've seen him throw dumb interceptions. That was probably one of the worst. But when he made his way back to the sidelines – that's about as upset as, as I've seen Sean McVay in almost three years. His eyes are about to bug out of his face. You look like he wanted to slap Jerry Goff in the face with his helmet off. Um, did you feel that way too, John? Well, I was just going to say the ironic thing there is that, like, if anything, maybe Goff should have wanted to slap McVay in the helmet. Because if you, if your whole game plan is throwing screens and short passes, like the defense is going to pick up on it. The Rams didn't try and change that. They're a good defense. They're a smart defense. Eventually, somebody's going to read it right, like Fred Warner did, and make a play. We saw at least three other passes that got batted down at the line of scrimmage in similar situations, and any of those could have been taken to the house. So it's just a matter of I was, yes. The only thing I would say, John, is that Fred Warner was standing right there in front of the receiver. Like, Jameis Winston doesn't even throw that ball. Yeah, no, they were, they were bad, bad throws, but I'm saying that Sean McVay is playing with fire also. It's on both of them. Yeah. Like, it was a horrible throw by Goff. But McVay's playing with fire. I do think, though, part of the reason why that was the game plan is because he is kind of working with a limited quarterback. Like, it was very clear from the onset. Wait, wait, wait. They just gave him all that money, Sean. 
He's not. A, he can't. That's not a. Yeah, none of us and all of us thought you're being sarcastic. Okay. No, Ooh, but I mean, Sean Bay wow. and Les Snead thought it was a good idea. I mean, I I do think though that like that is sort of the point, which is like if I mean, this such it encapsulates the Rams perfectly that they had to that that was all that McVay had left was this one scripted drive early. And then a bunch of screens and a bunch of bootlegs and a bunch of play action. And if that stuff didn't work, I mean, the 49ers were all over them. And by the way, at the end of the first half, you want to talk about, I mean, like that, that, that pick six, the Rams intercepted Jimmy Garoppolo on, um, San Francisco's, uh, or on, on Los Angeles is 25 as they're, as they're going in, right? And the Rams get it. It's a huge stop. You pick them off there. They then go four plays, produce nothing. Uh, intentional grounding is called and they miss a field goal. Excuse me. It was on San Francisco's 25. They miss a field goal. They end up giving it back to him on the 42. They basically gave up 17 yards of field position. And so like it, the, the whole thing was botched. You toss in the pick six and they were up 21 to 10 with five minutes remaining in that game in the first half. And they went to the half down 24, 21. That's the game right there. That's it. It's over. I mean, that's you. That's how you lose that football game. That's how you get eliminated from the playoffs. And those sort of limitations that the Rams have had on their quarterback and the offense all year long are just basically what doomed them. They couldn't beat a good defense all year. And it's telling that I actually thought tonight's performance or Saturday night's performance by them was actually one of their better showings. And, uh, like, I don't think they were bad offensively over the course of the entire game. Like, Goff obviously had that terrible interception. You just mentioned how they failed to cash in on that turnover. Uh, but it's telling that, like, this is their ceiling this year, where it feels like last year this would have been just, like, I want to say closer to their floor or like at least just an ordinary game by them. But this felt like when they came out, it's like, Oh my God, where's this Rams offense been? But this is the Rams offense we saw in every single game. Uh, even when they weren't that good over the last two years. So I think that's what was telling about it. And I actually think McVay's game plan actually worked to a degree. Like it's very clear it, when you have a banged up offensive line or just a not elite offensive line, you have to get Jared Goff outside the pocket um, and on the move. And I thought in that, that regard it worked, but breach is also right. At a certain point, it's you can't go play action boot screen screen and that can't just be your offense because the defense will key in on that eventually. Yeah, you're not playing Pop Warner guys, you're playing NFL guys, and they keep seeing the same thing. They're going to pick up on it. Well, well he Jer- had, he had a nice golf. Uh, oh, sorry, just on the pick six, like he threw that without looking. Like he didn't look to see if there was a defender coming, and Fred Warner read it the ent- entire way. You could tell. Right as he was releasing it, he was like, he realized like what he was doing, but he like couldn't stop it. Like, yeah. cause you're right. He, he was just like, Oh, my safety valve's there. Get him throw. Th- oh, right. When he releases it, he realizes. Well, I think maybe it was Eric at home pointed out, but it was like, you could tell that he like held the safety, held the safety, held the safety and then dumps it like the last second. And like Fred Warner was like, wait, 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 wait. Ah, I gotcha. And he just went to the house. It reminded me a little bit of the, um, strip sack six against Phillip Rivers by the Vikings last week where. Which one? The, the one right before <laughs> halftime, where it just changed the tenor of the game. Like you just, you felt like the Rams were kind of controlling it. That there's a good chance the Rams might win, and ultimately they did have a shot to win. I mean, they they were up when Cooper Cup caught caught the touchdown in the what was that? In the third quarter? I mean, right. But I mean, like that's. I mean, that. I mean, the seven points is a pretty big swing. Is all I'm saying. That's, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, and then not, trust, co- not covering Manny Sanders in the last play there that didn't help either. Yeah, I mean, like, should that be a Red flag, the fact that they gave up two third and sixteens on the final drive for the Jalen Ramsey trade. I mean, I know it was Taylor Rapp's fault, but like, if you can't stop two third and sixteens from Jimmy Garoppolo on the final drive when it's a tie ball game, there's like, they're probably willing to punt. I don't know. What do we do? Like, they well, called, the Rams called timeout on the second one. They didn't have to call timeout. They could have let it go to overtime. Well, yeah, but you're not going to convert two third and sixteens on one drive, are you? And yeah, you can. Yes, you are. Narrator. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put it to you this way. Would you rather have Jalen Ramsey and no two first rounders or would you rather have Marcus Peters and all your draft picks? (laughs) (laughs) I say Marcus Peters. Yeah. Who's playing better than Jalen Ramsey? Yeah. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's a good player, but I don't know, man. I mean, I just think that's a, it's like, it's, that's how you're, it just, it just, everything about that game seems to encapsulate the Rams season. Like, they trade for Jalen Ramsey. They can't stop two third and sixteen. So they have to run all these screens. They have to run all these bootlegs. I mean, they just didn't feel like they had answers in the offensive side of the ball this year. And that was very, very apparent uh, on on Saturday night. This is going to be my early. I'm calling it now, just like Lamar Jackson. I'm calling it now. The Rams are going to. They're over under win total next year is going to be seven and a half. I'm calling it now. Well, that's taking the over under. That's way too low. 
I, I, well, I'm telling you what's going to happen. So you bet accordingly, and then I will dunk on wait, you. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that they will win less than seven games? I'm I'm setting the over under seven and a half. But then I I will take the over. Okay, that's fine. You can do that. Okay. <laughs> I'm no, taking. There's going to be value there when the actual over under is eight or nine and a half. It's, they're not going to win eight games, is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. I just think they're. I say that because we've seen how the offense struggles without. They have no money. They have no draft picks. They have old people in the offensive line. Jared Goff's. Uh, they have to have at least one more year on their. On their. They can't get rid of them next year. I think this costs them too much. Yeah, really? I think they have two more full years. Two more years. Yeah. They don't have first round pick in 2021. They're not getting rid of Jared Goff anytime soon. Yeah, so how's this going to magically fix itself? The Cardinals are presumably going to be better. Wait, do you think it's going to magically be better if they get rid of Jared Goff? Like, what happens if you plug Blake Bortles in there? I think it looks a lot like this. Uh, maybe a one and a, a Wins except, Wilson, negative one and a half. Jared, so except lose, cheaper. Jared Goff's dead cap hit next year is $51 million. He's not going anywhere. You yeah. hate to see it. if you're The yeah. the Rams are definitely going to be cheering for a new collective bargaining agreement where the sour crap goes up to $275 million. Then they can... Eat that fifty-one million dollar hit. Um, I mean, twenty twenty-one, they could get rid of them if they wanted to, but not. And they'll be coming off a seven-one season, as predicted on December twenty-second. I. You were all over Lamar Jackson back in week nine of two thousand nineteen. <laughs> you know it. Who can who can really question you? Can't fault right. me. Um. So the 49ers are now the number one seed overall as we head into Sunday's games. The Seahawks dropped to the number five seed. Uh, as I mentioned, week 17 is for all the marbles in the NFC West and potentially all the marbles in the NFC. Um, you know, the, uh, so the Seahawks, I can't do tiebreakers in my, my broken brain right now, but the 49ers have tiebreakers over the Saints and the Packers. So that's very important. Brinson uh, has been chugging Nyquil all day in case you're wondering why he can't do tiebreakers. I'm about to go like Matrix on this and eat the little blue pill. <laughs> I guess I can sleep tonight. Um, but suffice to say, the, this is a big the, – the, the Seahawks need to beat the, the Cardinals on Sunday. Dwayne Brown's already questionable, so we'll see whether or not he plays. But um, how would you handicap uh, Week 17's division winner take all, knowing that ultimately um, it doesn't technically matter who wins the, the Seahawks 49ers game? Because, like, whoever loses is the five seed and has to go play a, a really good four seed. How would you how would you handicap it, Breach? Who do you think comes out on top? I think the Seahawks, too, just because it's in Seattle. And the, the 49ers have looked so bad lately. I have no faith in them to go into one of the most hostile environments in the entire NFL. I mean, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo at home look like trash for three quarters before he finally got together for the final two possessions. He does that against the Seahawks. He's going to be down 34-7. to And classic Seahawks, they would only win by one score because that's what all their games are. And the final score would probably be like 34-27. Uh, but I don't trust the defense. That's what carried San Francisco through this whole entire season. But also, the flip side of that is I think the 49ers need the win more. Because if you ask me what this team can do in the playoffs, if they get that bye and they can get healthy, I think they're a potential Super Bowl team. But if they're stuck playing in the wild card round, they're beat up. I think the Cowboys could beat them in that first round. So there is a high ceiling, but a really low floor. So this is one of those teams that is built like uh, uh, Sean's apartment. High ceiling, low floor. I, I don't know what Pete Carroll has on John. Pete Carroll and his magic slacks and white shoes because he, he posted the Seahawks no matter what if they're playing at home. Two weeks ago, what happened in New Orleans when this when the 49ers were down 13 on two separate occasions? They just fold up and go home or do they score 48 points? Yeah, they did that, but that's not Seattle outdoors in the cold. Is it tougher to play in the Superdome or tougher to play in Seattle? I would say it's tougher to play in Seattle because you have the crowd noise plus the weather. Unless you're the Saints going up there with Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> what are you saying? The Saints win that game? I don't remember. Maybe <laughs> maybe Brinson can remind me. <laughs> who can who can really remember these things, Breach? Um, we really do need to clip that audio of you saying they couldn't win there. Yeah, so the Seahawks do not have the tiebreaker of the Saints, obviously, because of a head-to-head situation. Um, I, I would, I would take the Seahawks in the spot. I think one of the things, too, that you can, um, sort of look at, you know, when, when you talk about the 49ers is, uh, the second time, that they played the Arizona Cardinals having, despite having played them like two weeks before. So like you get to see Cliff Kingsbury's offense for the first time. You get to see Kyler Murray for the first time. You get all this tape and then they still gave up 26 points to the Cardinals, uh, the, in the second time around. And then, 
Um, you know, the second time around against the Rams, they nearly lost at home. Both of the second times they played those teams, they were at home. They already lost to the Seahawks uh, at home uh, this year. And then one of the things that uh, I think it was Mina Kimes tweeted it out. I don't know that it's, you know, I don't want to um, look at uh, QBR, which is ESPN's proprietary metric for quarterback rankings, but uh, opposing quarterbacks QBR versus San Francisco weeks one through nine was 10.5, which is first in the NFL. And weeks 10 through 15, 73.4, which is 32nd. And look, Jared Goff wasn't perfect, but I mean, Jared Goff had a pretty big day, at least in terms of production. He had 27 to 46, 323 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And there were guys running wide open. I mean, Tyler Higby over 100 yards, Robert Woods over 100 yards, Cooper Cups on the end zone, freaking Brandon Cooks. We didn't even think he was, he was, he was walking amongst the living, thought he was a zombie and he pops back up and, and, and turns out Brandon Cooks is alive with four catches, 39 yards and a touchdown. So, um, I mean, Cooper, I, I don't know. It just feels like you can move the ball in the 49ers more than in recent games. It doesn't feel like they're a lockdown defense to me. Does that make, does that seem fair? How do the Seahawks defense feel to you? Oh, Seahawks defense sucks. All right. I'm just, I don't understand the one-sidedness of this conversation. I mean, I, I don't care about either. I mean, I like both teams. I like Russell Wilson a lot and I like the Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G sort of coming of age story. It's like a uh, John Hughes movie, but I don't understand why, why the Seahawks get a pass on having a terrible defense. And, look, they beat the Rams the first time, and they lost the second time. They don't get a pass, but if the 49ers have a bad defense right now and the Seahawks have a bad defense, I'm taking Russell Wilson over Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that's the simple yeah. fact, and it's in Seattle, Ryan. Gosh, do you hate people in Seattle? Do you hate the whole city? Do you hate Starbucks? He hates Starbucks. He hates fish. He hates Nirvana. He hates flannel. No, I like Nirvana, and I he like hates uh, Sean. He hates the Mariners. Everyone hates hate the Mariners. Sean. He no one hates the Mariners. <laughs> yeah, no one really does. I We're love Jay Buter. losers. He hates Jay Buter. He hates Randy Johnson. He hates A-Rod. He hates steroids. He hates it all, Sean. Sorry. I do hate steroids. He hates Steve Largent. Oh, no way. Um, no one hates Steve Largent. He hates Matt Hasselback. He hates Ryan. everything about Seattle. But they have the same haircut. Yeah. Thank he would you. Hate, he would hate Dan Orlovsky, but they sat on a plane next to each other one time. Um, Great hair, by the way. Seattle doesn't get a pass. Seattle's defense just hasn't been good all year. So it's like their defense stinks, whereas um, with the 49ers, their defense has been historically great and now appears as if it might be dropping off a touch. A touch? A significant amount. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's better. No, no, it's not a significant amount. That's wrong. Okay. He just gave you the stats. 73 QBR now, to a 10? They are now closer in DVOA, and that was coming into the Rams game. They were closer. Where they ranked, by the way? What second? That's where they've ranked all year, right? What are you talking about? That's where you they just said they're substantially worse. Sometimes they are going to be. They're, they are closer. I bet coming out of this game that they are closer to the number fourteen, the Bills, than they are to the number one team, the Pats. And where, where are the Seahawks? The Seahawks are actually creeping up. They're fourteenth above average, baby. All right. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Mildly above average, just like I like them. That's the uh, Pick Six Podcast motto, I believe. And just because you guys are wondering. <laughs> The current forecast for next Sunday, and you have to think this is the game that's getting flexed into Sunday night because I can't think of another game oh. that would even fit the bill. So you're looking at playing prime time in Seattle. You're looking at about 40 degrees with a 40% chance of rain. By the way, losing by 10. By the way, I have one more stat about the 49ers defense and how much worse they've gotten from a Chase Stewart football perspective. So finish after him, Sean. After, him. after after seven games this year, the 49ers allowed 77 points. After seven games, the Ravens had allowed 156 points. Through 14 games, so before tonight, the Ravens had allowed fewer points over the course of the season than the 49ers. So think about how much of an advantage they had and how many points they've had to give up in the last seven weeks. The Ravens defense weeks. has been awesome. Yeah. That, that's more of a more of a commentary on the Ravens defense being a lot better than the 49ers defense suddenly going completely and utterly south. They're second in DVOA coming into this week. They'll be top five. But, uh, that, but, they, but at the beginning, it was like New England and San Francisco were yeah. light years better than third place. And that's not going to be the case anymore. Okay. But I, I would imagine that everyone here would take the second place uh, defensive here's, team. Here's the 49ers. 17, 17, 20, 3, 7, 0, 13. Break. And then we go when they play the Cardinals the first time. 25, 27, 26, 8 Packers, weird anomaly. 20 to the Ravens in the rain. 46, 29. It's a defense that's that's hemorrhaging points. Okay. That's fine. I said we'll see. (laughs) His voice got high pitched there. We'll see. 
I was getting nervous. Think. By the way, is there any is there any other game? They could. Yeah, the Dolphins are playing the Bengals. That's a huge game. We should talk about that. No, no, no we're talking about Week 17. They, they can be flexed. That was just a cheap shot at Brett. Titans Texans could be flexed. Because no. the Texans have already clinched the division. If they have nothing to play for, oh, yeah. they're not going to bench their start. There's too much risk in that. Oh, no, because if the Titans lost to the Saints. No, there's still there's still something going on in that game for the Titans because if, even if the Steelers beat the Jets and the Steelers lose in Week 17 to the Ravens, the Titans can still make the playoffs to beat the Texans in Week Week 17. Yeah, but the but the Tex no no Breach is right. The Texans could be locked into the four seed if the Chiefs went out. Yeah, they, they can let the, they can let the Titans win for sure. And like you could put Steelers or say you put Steelers Ravens there, and the Steelers have to win to get in. But if the Titans lose earlier in the day, then the Steelers are already in, and then that game means nothing. So like are the games not at the same time? No, no, I'm saying if you flex oh, yeah, another yeah. game to Sunday night, it's got to be a game where none of the other games have any effect on what will happen to at least one of the teams involved. What about this? Let's flex Falcons Buccaneers because it'd be fun as hell. James Winston. Just I would love James. to do that because we could start the podcast at 7 p.m. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. We'd leave with Jameis, baby. Then we go all Jameis. Um, yeah, Steelers Ravens. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, I mean, you can go and lock it. It's it has to be 49ers. Uh, Seahawks. Has that been saying for weeks anyway? Yeah. If the Eagles win tomorrow, maybe you could flex them next Sunday. Eagles. But Giants. then you would need the Cowboys to win against the Redskins, and then you have to, you have to flex it too far in advance. Right, right. Advance to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back. We'll talk about the other two games on the docket. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Pat's Bills, time to talk a little AFC East for the 17th year in 18 seasons, 17th time in 18 seasons. The New England Patriots have won the AFC East. I got to hand it to the Bills here, though, Ryan. A for effort. You went out there and you tried. You gave it your all. 24 to 17 Patriots win. Uh, Josh Allen actually ended up almost being the top fantasy performer on the DFS showdown slate. He was the top fantasy performer in this game with 24 points. The Patriots covered six and a half, despite not looking like they should cover at all. Uh, the Pick 6 podcast parlay, dead on arrival by mm. 7 p.m. Eastern, thanks to the over in this game hitting. Lovely. Um, that's 11 straight division titles. The only time they didn't win was when the Dolphins won in 2008, when Tom Brady tore his ACL in week one. And even then, the uh, the Patriots uh, still um, only lost by a tiebreaker. Are you starting? What do you? What, what's your takeaway here? Are you more? Is it? Are you optimistic about the Patriots? Are you? Do you think the Bills are a problem? What, where do you go with this? Both. This is the best offensive game the Patriots have had all season. I feel like, um, and they did it against a good defense, a defense that gave up 24 points. And I'm sure you guys will dunk all over them for not being um, the Baltimore Ravens and/or the New England Patriots defensively. But I thought they did a pretty good job. I will say this: they had issues tackling Sony Michelle. And that led to a, a lot of first downs and kept drives going. And uh, on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen, you can live with him. He, and I said it before, he's a rich man's Mr. Trubisky, but he still makes mistakes. On the first drive, he overthrew Dawson Knox for what could have been a long gain, probably even a touchdown. And his touch on deep passes isn't great. It's inconsistent. Sometimes he's money. Uh, throw to uh, Smoke Brown, that was fantastic. He hit Dawson Knox later in the game on another great pass. But at other times, he just airmails balls and makes poor decisions. Uh, inaccurate on crossing passes. One Cole Beasley came to mind on third down. And those things, if he can sort out, I mean, this team is going to be really, really good. I know that everyone on the team loves him. Cole Beasley said after the game he's going to be a true franchise quarterback for years to come. And it's good that they like him. Um, I don't know, Sean can talk to this, I don't know how 
Bears players feel about Mr. Biscay, whether they like him or not, but I know sometimes there's some frustration there. You don't see that in Buffalo, and, and I think that says a lot. Their defense is really good. Their offense is coming along. Devin Singletary is really, going to be a really special player. And Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean deserve a ton of credit. Um, and I think the play of the game for me, just in terms of you rarely see Bill Belichick get, getting outsmarted, but the uh, tackle-eligible touchdown pass, the throwback pass to Dawson, blew Bill Belichick's mind. And I'm sure John Harbaugh somewhere was high-fiving himself for, for not getting got like Belichick did on uh, Saturday night. But, yeah, it's a great win for the Patriots, and I think this is the sort of thing where after you watch this game you say, yeah, remember every year when we say the Patriots look like they're not going to win any football games and they end up winning out? This is the game that sort of becomes a turning point. And my fun fact for the podcast is he just – Wilson just mentioned the Deion Dawkins touchdown catch, the left tackle, tackle eligible play. Deion Dawkins is the only player on the Bills roster who caught a touchdown this year and last year. Their left tackle. Oh, good. That is a fun fact. Wow, that is a really good one. Sweet hands, too. He made it look easy. He did. Soft hands, quick feet. Heck of a uh, nice dance move afterwards. Look, I mean, I don't want this to be a, you know, we all take turns dunking on Sean or anything, but you know, <laughs> it's time for you to own up and admit the Bills and Sean McDermott and Josh Allen are quality competition in the NFL, and they're going to win a playoff game, I think. Okay, first of all, it's been like three weeks of me repeating that Josh Allen is playing like a top-half quarterback in the Bills. Um, but I don't think getting, we believe are, what you're saying. We, you don't believe uh, it, Sean. Right, we well, want to hear you believe well, first it. First no, first, well, you're first, not, not going to – Hold on, hold on. Before you go there, let me point out that I wouldn't say it's been three weeks of you saying he's been playing like a top-half-of-the-league quarterback. I feel like you've been – it's been three weeks of you saying he's like – Top 16. It eh, feels like it's been like top 15 to 20 quarterback is what you uh, You sound like me – when I go out and do something stupid and I'm like not really apologizing to my wife, but I, I'm like, I'm saying I'm sorry. And she always goes, you're saying you're sorry, but you don't mean it. Like, and I'm like, well, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm not sorry. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Of course I'm sorry. Like, that's what you sound like, Sean. You're like, I've been saying for weeks that Josh Allen is doing a respectable job of not pooping his pants. Like, and this man absolutely hated Sean McDermott last year, hated him with a passion. The fire of a thousand suns. You went all in on the Tyron Taylor benching for, for Nate Peterman. It's back. It's blowing up in your face as badly as anything on this podcast ever has. And it's time to admit that you were dead wrong and that the Bills are going to wax the Texans in the playoffs. Furthermore, I would. <laughs> this is where I'm going to start. Um, I can find the receipts for when I wrote that Josh Allen is playing like hey, Sean, Sean, wrote Sean, one more thing. Jesus then Christ. Please explain to me. Well, you had Josh Allen ranked 18th in your quarterback rankings this oh. week. Because he has not played well the last two weeks. As soon as I wrote that article, he has not played well the last two weeks. Furthermore, I'm not going to apologize after – look, I think Sean McDermott's a good coach. Uh, and what he has built in, in Buffalo is, like, if you had to pick one team in the AFC East that is most likely to see the Patriots dynasty, it's clearly Buffalo by a long shot. I've been calling Sean McDermott this year. Last year I was hating on him. This year he convinced me he's a good coach. I don't understand how you walk away from this game and your takeaway is that, ha, Josh Allen's made it. Josh Allen has made the leap. Josh Allen, Josh Allen in this, you guys, Brinson just asked, should we take turns dunking on Sean for Josh Allen? I don't think Josh Allen played well on Saturday. I think he made three or four jaw dropping throws, which you all know he can, he's capable of. I think in the first half, he was like three of nine or four of nine for like 18 yards. And then, uh, he makes an incredible 19. downfield throw to the one-yard line. Uh, I was going off my memory, so be impressed that I remember that. Uh, he makes an incredible downfield throw, and you have to give him credit for that. And the Bills score a touchdown to back in the game. And he makes a couple more, as Ryan was going through, incredible downfield throws. One of them with the one, the pressure in his face was like a throw that only one or two quarterbacks can probably make. But then you go to Josh Allen. <laughs> I was going to say Duck Hodges, but so then you go to the final drive. Though, are we just going to ignore his blatant missed touchdown that would have tied the game on third down, where or I think it was second down in the back of the end zone? Dawson Knox is running free on the on the. Uh, on the well, I wouldn't call that a blatant missed touchdown. That's a pretty tough touchdown. You run. just said there's only three quarterbacks who can make that other throw. There's probably only three or four quarterbacks who could have made well, that I, throw. I just I think if you go no, back no, and look Sean's, at that. Sean's that, actually right. The, that the touch that's the issue with Josh Allen is his touch on those sorts of passes. Sure. He, I mean there was. No, and here's the thing. I want to actually talk to remind me this, Debo, when next time we talk to Brady. I want to talk to Brady about Josh Allen's like arm because I've heard people say his arm's too low, and that makes it a little harder to do those little dink passes or touch passes. Because that Sean is right. He's not right about much tonight in terms of 
the Bills. Uh, did um, we, what happened? What happened after the? So I was going to keep going. So he misses that, and then he takes a sack to set up the fourth down from the 15. And that was the other thing is you can't take a sack on that third down. You just have to bail on the play because you can't take it from first and goal at the five or six, wherever they were, into at the 15. Well, they were they so were at the nine, which was a huge okay. – that's not the five or six. Big okay, difference. but nine to 15 is a huge difference as well. Yeah, um, so this is my problem with Josh Allen is that it's either a 10 on every throw, like it's an incredible throw, or it's a flat zero or a one. I can't remember. Someone put it that way on Twitter. And I so thought, do you get angry with Jimmy G taking all the sacks on Saturday night too? Yeah, so it's sort I, of... I literally just said that the six sacks, I thought a lot of them fell on him. Wow. Uh, wow. 23-year-old, like, upside-riddled, big-armed quarterback goes into Foxborough against Bill Belichick and league's best secondary and doesn't make perfect throws every time and, and manages to miss his tight end on a slight, on a difficult touch pass. Like, get out of here. What are you doing? I'm responding to you trying to take this as a Josh Allen victory lap. I wasn't going to come in here and hate on Josh Allen for his performance. He played like Josh Allen. But Sean, you're falling right into his trap. And but So moving on to the Bills, I completely agree that they can beat the Texans. I was already thinking about like, – do not they? Not I was just thinking will. about like man, what I have to pick between is backing Bill O'Brien or backing Josh Allen, and it's just in a game against Deshaun Watson. I don't feel good about either of those options. Um, I think Prisco was, you know, because you know he's a big Josh Allen Bills guy, so he's taking his victory laps as well. I agree with them though; they are going to be an incredibly tough out. The problem is if they have to play the Ravens or Chiefs. I think those are the two teams uh, that can dispatch them. Uh, just because I don't know if the Ravens can keep up offensively, but against like the Patriots, 100%, I think they could beat them. I mean, also, I think the Bills. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say my that. last. The last thing about Josh Allen that I thought was awesome that third and one conversion where he fake jumped over the line and then ran around. That was that was fantastic. Few, few very few quarterbacks could do that as well. I, I, I was going to say that the. I mean, the Bills lost to the Ravens by seven, and I realized that they had a, a late touchdown to kind of cut it close. But I mean, that game was that game wasn't a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. Win was a problem, but I'm. I don't know. I don't. I. Uh, I don't think the Bills are going to make a, a Super Bowl run because I do. I, 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 I'm not. I, I do agree that Josh Allen's inconsistencies will make it difficult for them to win multiple playoff games in a row. But I mean, like, God forbid they start designing. Like, God forbid he gets hot. I mean, if he gets hot, they can do anything. Like, if he starts, if if you don't cover Smokey Brown and Smokey Brown, John Brown abused Stephon Gilmore on that deep touchdown pass. Abused him. Like, he was in coverage on him. I realized he had a safety over there too, but he, he juked him outside. He got Stephon Gilmore turned around. Stephon Gilmore's probably the defensive player of the year, and he straight up took him deep. And that was, that's an easy throw for Allen. Look, he overthrew a lot of, a lot of his passes in that game. He's got an absolute cannon arm. Uh, the Bills defense is really good. They got a smart head coach. Devin Singletary's kind of coming into his own. I thought the Patriots defense, uh, Played, played pretty well, all things considered. I mean, you know, if you're going to give up 17 points to the Bills in that game, um, uh, to me, the biggest, maybe the biggest takeaway, I, I would say the two big takeaways are one, that the Bills are going to beat the Texans. That's the likely wild card weekend matchup. Feels like a 1 p.m. Sunday CBS game. 4.30 p.m. Saturday ESPN ABC game, 100%. That's the Texan slot. It used to be the Bengals slot. Now it's the Texan slot. There is no doubt in my mind. You can yeah, record this right, one. Right. It's happening. Oh, because it was like the uh, we got the Raiders-Texans before. Breach knows right. tiebreakers. Breach knows when uh, players are going to sit in week 16 and week 17, and he knows <laughs> the playoff seeding times. For so every do, you think, do, you, do you think then we get uh, – so we would get Chiefs – oh, yeah, 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 good call, Breach. That's right. Yeah, we would get Chiefs-Steelers. Although Chiefs Titans might be the Saturday afternoon game if that ends up being the matchup. They yeah, that, get that exact matchup. But is I think if they have their choice, yes. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be in the because the 4:30 slot is where they put the worst playoff game, and that would not be Patrick Mahomes no matter who he's playing. No, 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 you're right. The, the Chiefs Titans game was a divisional. Was that the divisional game? No, had to be a wild card game. Oh, you talking about the Alex Smith? Yeah, no, the, the, the Marcus Mariota touchdown pass to himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that? That was on a Saturday, though, right? Man, man. Too many playoff games. Too many. I think that game was at night. I feel like I remember that game being played at night. I could be wrong. It'd be the 2017 Chiefs. Let's see. That game was played. They only had one playoff game. That's for sure. Uh, Saturday, 435. There we go. Um, you decide for yourself who's right. Um, anyway, no, I agree. If if Mahomes, if it's Chiefs Steelers, that's locked for the uh, 1 p.m. CBS. You better get out of church early or pretend like you were going to church and come home anyway. Uh, cause that's, the, that's going to be this game on CBS. Um, Steelers projection, they're going to win that game. 
I'm not predicting. <laughs> uh, I do think they will keep it close as Andy Reid runs the ball a bunch in the second half against a good defense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, the Bills are going to be three point underdogs to the Texans in the wild card round on Saturday at 4:30 on ESPN, and we are all. I mean, not you guys because you don't bet, but like Debo, lock it in, buddy. We are taking the bills with the points. We're taking the bills to the money line. We're doing a three-unit play on it, and we may even parlay it with the over because the Texans are going to be chasing points late. Deshaun Watson is going to throw a pick to Javis White. He's going to house it. The bills are going to obliterate the Texans. Bill O'Brien, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but um, well, I, I just think the, the bills are good. The Patriots, I don't know what they're going to be coming out of this weekend. Coming into week 16, they were 5-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. I would take that bet if you can find it. Yeah, I mean, well, that, see, see this movie every year. You know what's going to happen. You can say all the time, all you want, that like, they're not a good team. They are they find a way. Let's see what they are. I don't know if they'll post the odds right now with all the in the middle of a weekend of games, but um, we can look and see if. I will say this while you look that up. I, one issue I had with the way the Bills played in addition to not tackling Sonny Michelle is I don't understand why they were not double-teaming Julian Edelman all the time. They did it on third down a few times, and it worked. Every other time they're playing zone, he's just running through there, and Tom Brady's hitting them in stride for 15, 25, 30-yard gains, and like they'd never seen him before. I do love the fact that he flopped and gave himself a concussion, and he magically showed back up in the game after two plays off. I don't know how that works, but... No, he was out for a whole quarter. He left with 10 minutes left in the third quarter and didn't come back till nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. And on his first play back, Ryan, this part will vindicate you. Uh, Brady hit him for a 30 yard pass because the Buffalo Bills didn't cover him for some reason. And for me, the biggest surprise of this game was Tom Brady. I don't know if he was eating extra avocados, if he did some extra pliability work this week, but he was on point. I thought this was his best game of the season, 26 of 33 for 271 yards. But this was old school Brady, which you come to expect. We saw him throw that vicious block on Enkil Harry's run. We saw him go back, the, the Brady QB sneak. We saw one of those. Those never fail, although the, the Patriots should have run that in fourth down in the second quarter. They didn't. Who cares? That's a Belichick thing. That's not Brady. And then, you know, he was hitting Edelman left and right. And you realize when Edelman went down, I think the Patriots punted on their first series without him, how big of a part to that offense he is. That thing absolutely falls apart with him off the field. So obviously he's got to stay healthy. And that's a big reason why the Patriots need to buy because Edelman's beat up. That guy needs a bye week so he has two weeks to rest. But if Brady plays smart football like this, you know, this wasn't – 400 yards and four touchdowns. It was 271 yards, one touchdown, but it was exactly what this Patriots offense needs. They don't need him to be a superstar because they have running backs. They have Sony Michelle. They have Rex Burkhead. They have James White. They just need to be him slightly above average, and that's what he was. By the way, the Patriots, at, according to the Westgate, a.k.a. Superbook USA, 7-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. Ooh, if you can bet on that, bet on that, please. They have to win two. Why did it go down? Uh, it was just five on my local. So have you, have you watched them play? Uh, and, uh, the Chiefs, eight to one to win the Super Bowl. Also, take that. Ooh. The Chiefs probably won't get a bye. But like, I think if you get a bet in on the Patriots and the Chiefs, um, you have a very good chance. I would have to do, Breach, you can do this math for me, maybe in my head. A, you're probably going to get the two seed in the AFC. The Ravens are just too expensive. But B, I think there's a pretty good chance that the three seed won't end up playing the two seed, or will that definitely happen? That will definitely happen. That will definitely – yeah, it's the other way around. Okay, so that would be the downside is, like, you're probably going to hit. But that means one of your teams is definitely going to be in the AFC title game, which gets you a step closer to winning your bet. So it's not a horrible idea. Yeah, the only downside of that is you probably can't hedge it then if you you wanted to do that because the the Ravens would be favorite. But anyway – that's uh, that's the Pat's Super Bowl talk. Do you want to? Uh, does anybody else want to spouse on anything related? Well, Sean? I just would say, Sean, Rick, you can apologize for Josh Allen if you want to. <laughs> I just want to ask one question since you brought up the Patriots Super Bowls and said we should all bet it. Does anyone here actually think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl? If you had to make a pick right now, just yes or no on the Patriots. You don't have to pick another team. I say pick another team. I would pick another team. Uh, I'm. I'm hesitating because every year we have this conversation, and every year they <laughs> st- stick it in our faces. Every year. I mean, 
I don't think they will, but here's the thing. <laughs> Ryan Stalling. No, it, it just feels I think Ryan's like, angry. It's just, we've seen, we know how this ends. I mean, this is what happened last year. <laughs> Let's the do Patriots the Patriots on the Super Bowl podcast right now. Just save ourselves. <laughs> we're going to be at four in the morning on Super Bowl Monday trying to explain I mean, it. Why. But don't you, I mean, like, don't, I mean, I, I know I said that, like, everybody thought the Chargers were going to beat the Patriots in, in Foxborough last year, and you're like, <laughs> but like, a lot of people were picking the Chargers to go in there and win that game after they took care, they dispatched the Ravens in Baltimore. It's like they're the hot team coming in. The Patriots have been limping in. Tom Brady was looking old down the stretch. And then the Patriots just magically had a run game together after two weeks off and obliterated the Chargers. It's very easy to see them. Like, who, who are they going to get? Um, the Bills again? Well, here's the thing. The here's the, the, the one, one point of hesitation I have for, for not picking the, the Patriots immediately after what they just did to the Bills. Um, I have to look. I don't have the head coaches in, in front of me who were in the playoffs last year. But John Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Sean McDermott are all guys that have faith in in order that will come in prepared. I mean, Sean McVay was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm on the same field. Bill Belichick, I can't believe it. <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Lynn was in the playoffs last year. Nobody thought he was going to beat Belichick. Frank Reich. Yeah, and hindsight picking Anthony Lynn to win in Foxborough over Bill yeah. Belichick may have been a slight miscalculation on my part. <laughs> I don't know. If I'm, so I will I take will... some solace in knowing that those coaches – have played him number one. They've beaten him number two, except for Sean McDermott, who's played him well twice now this season. And um, they're good coaches. So Ryan, are you picking the Patriots or any other team? I'm going with the other team. I talked myself into it because of the coaching. And one thing I will when, say is this is say, setting when up. Say, when you say any other team, you're saying field Patriots versus field. Is I'm that what I'm At this point in the season, do you think it's going to be the Patriots or someone else? That was the question. Yeah, that, that's Patriots to the field. Yeah, you take someone else. And real quick, because we were just talking about what their chances are. This is setting up that they're going to have to play the Chiefs in the divisional round because if the Patriots win next week, they get the two seed. Kansas City's almost certainly going to get the three seed. And if the Chiefs win, the three seed plays the two seed. So it, it is literally getting close to lock territory where we're going to get a Chiefs-Patriots divisional round game. Uh, and that's why I think the Chiefs are a team that can go in to Foxborough in the playoffs and win. One, one little bump in the road there. Here's Uh-oh. what's going to happen. The Titans Angry. are going to end up getting the playoff spot. They're going to go in there and beat the Chiefs. <laughs> then they're going to end up going to New England and getting their doors blown off by the Patriots. That's, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Well, they're going to hire Jeff Fisher before the game to coach the game. They're going to lose fifty-five to nothing. Let's not forget too that um, God, you know, because the uh, <laughs> I can see it happening because the Patriots are you know look like the last three times they've had a wild card matchup in uh, in in New England they had. Anthony Lynn's Chargers, who were hot, but, you know, down to like seven defensive backs in their defense and they just plowed through them. Uh, then the year before that, they had Mike Malarkey and, uh, Marcus Mariota. The year before that, they had, uh, Brock Osweiler and Bill O'Brien. How that work? That, <laughs> not well. Uh, the year before that, they had Andy Reid and, and, uh, and Alex Smith. Remember, Andy Reid made a, a, you won't believe this, a critical time gaffe as it related to the clock. Um, and then the year before that, they had, uh, who was, I guess it was Joe Flacco. So, I mean, like, it's been a it's been a hot minute since and the, the year before that, or a couple years before that. They had Tim Tebow come in there with the Broncos after they smoked the Steelers. Oh, no, 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 no. The year before that, they had uh, there was the Flate Gate. All oh, right, that was the Colts. Yep, and then in 2012 probably was no, 2012 was the Texans as well, who they beat 41 to 28, and they hired <laughs> the Broncos and Tim Tebow. Uh, it was a Gary Kubiak and Matt Schaub. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that. To Breach's point, in 2011 was, in fact, the Tim Tebow uh, 45-10 game. To Breach's point, if you look at the last 10 years of Patriots wildcard matchups, hasn't exactly been Andy Reid, the reigning MVP, Patrick Mahomes, and a suddenly blossoming Chiefs defense. Like This would easily be the most difficult matchup the Patriots have had in the divisional round um, since... I don't since the Jets in 2010 when they lost and with Rex Ryan and Mark. What did what did Bart Scott say? Can't wait. Can't wait. That's right. Take that, Sal. Mofo tried to wax my back one time. Nut job. Too much information. He Next said time. he would he would donate a hundred dollars for every hair he pulled off to Bart Scott. Bart he doesn't have that much money. I was like, no. I was like, I was like, if you like, you're gonna hire somebody. He's like, no, I get to do it. I was like, no, no, no chance, bro. Sure, I'm surprised you did not do that for the I content. Know, I mean, saying. you got like tackled on HQ during the fantasy telethon, and, and then got him got punched in the face. That was not something I had a choice in. 
So, uh. Oh, stop it. You loved I know, it. Dude, I didn't want to do, Devo, did I want to do that? You were there. We were there too. We were all there. <laughs> you were so, you were, it's like Christmas. You guys were behind the scenes talking to people about stuff. Behind the scenes. I want to do it, Devo? FBI over here. I didn't, I don't think you didn't not want to do it. Thank you. The, the, the second one I didn't want to do. I, I remember when they were like, come back out. I was like, I don't, I don't I'm, I'm really You ran good. out there. You Brent wanted to do the first one. I remember that. I, I didn't want to get smashed to a table, and I definitely didn't when Eric Young was like, "Hey man, um, listen, I can't smash you to that table." He's like, "The ups, like if it if it goes poorly, uh, you'll be crippled for life. If it goes well and you're not hurt, uh, it won't look very good." <laughs> okay, no win for anybody. Um, so Brent, just you are, you're straight out of the PT Barnum school of thought that. All publicity is good publicity. <laughs> Brenton will literally do anything if it involves – it will get him more followers. It will be funny that everyone will laugh at, and he doesn't get seriously injured, but he will be okay with minor injuring. Did you have to sign any sort of uh, documents to make sure – any waivers? Every year I do a CBS for that stuff. The one time he wasn't happy is when Pete Prisco threw a stuffed animal on his face. That was awesome. <laughs> it hit me in the eye. Now that's in a pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what else really hurts? When you're out of cash, coming out of Christmas, you don't need money. It's time to make some picks. Playoff Pick'em is here. CBS Sports is a new way for you to up the action with the Playoff Pick'em. Whether you want to pick the games for cash or compete against friends, we have you covered with two easy ways to play. First, enter the Playoff Challenge for your chance to win $5,000. Well, if we're eligible. All you need to do is pick the winners and the champ walks away with a big five grand in cash. Second, get your friends, family, coworkers, or anybody that loves football involved by creating a fully customizable private playoff pool. You'll be in full control with options to choose the matchups you want to include, how to pick, scoring, and more. Best of all, playoff pick'em is totally free. So go to cbssports.com slash playoff or download the CBS Sports app now to start your pool and play for $5,000. By the way, I do a pool every year with a bunch of friends here locally. Uh, CBS is, is the best. It is legit the best way to go. All other pool office manager stink and CBS's format is easy and entering your picks uh, this morning I was leaving I had to put in picks for the uh, the games uh, tonight I think I went one and two but uh, I put them in on my phone as I was driving down the road just kidding I did before I left uh, Texans 23 bucks 20 Texans push not my pool there minus three and a half damn it the under 50 and a half hit Ronald Jones was the top fantasy performer, found the end zone, caught a couple of long passes. Houston wins the AFC South, and we got to ride. You know, Sean, if we're going to, if we're going to mock you for Josh Allen, we'll let you have a moment here. The Jameis, the Jameis coaster, everything you would want from Jameis Winston was present in this game. He threw it, I think it was first pass. He threw a pick six. First pass. First pass, a pick six. And second series. So yeah. Um, he, Threw five interceptions total, which means he was one short of being the first ever 30, 30, 30 and 30 member in NFL history with 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Um, he led us to Ricky Henderson of NFL. fourth member ever. No, four interceptions. He threw so four. He's, he's two away. Brinson, you got it stuck in your head because you wrote that story today that said he threw five and then it just became locked into your head. And I tagged you in Slack. I was like, Brinson, I know you think Jameis threw five because it probably felt like he threw eight, but it was really only four. He only threw four. <laughs> and, and that's still <laughs> I thought he threw five. I had, and the I, funny I, thing is, he's literally brain. the only quarterback where you can lose count. I mean, I just, I just kind of stopped. While I was watching bowl games. I was like, yeah, it's five for James. They did. The Texans did drop another one. Or maybe, maybe that's what it was. like two other ones. Yeah, at least, I, at least yeah. two other ones. Yeah, he could have thrown seven interceptions today. He threw for three hundred thirty-five yards, four interceptions. <laughs> like it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, they're going to give $30 million a year next, this offseason. I had just come around on the idea of keep, keeping him after he had the back-to-back 450-yard games without, I think he had like two interceptions. It's just like by his standards, like you'll live with two Jameis picks. Like that's just a given. This is now the sixth time this year, and six out of 15 times on their first drive, Jameis Winston has been picked off, which is truly remarkable. I feel like it's happened more. Um what was also hilarious was that on his second series, he threw another pick six, but it was called back for, like, blocking the back or something on the return. So it was just a normal interception. Uh, I mean, this entire game was just drunk. Like, it wasn't just Jameis. I mean, Jameis was the drunkest out of everyone. But the first quarter, I feel like, must have taken over an hour. Or, like, it was, like, 15, 
a minute and 12 seconds of game time had come off in the first 20 minutes, like, since the game kicked off. Uh, there was a blocked field goal. Bruce Arians challenged P.I. and lost. Um, he wasn't allowed to challenge an obvious fumble. Like, everything happened in this game, and I still can't believe the over didn't hit. It was um, – what was the score at halftime? 17-17 at halftime, and the two teams combined for three field goals in the second half. I have no idea how that happened. I turned the game on at 1.03 p.m., and I see Bradley Roby celebrating in the end zone. I'm like, what? Is this like a replay leading up to the start of the game? <laughs> nope. It's six to nothing. Yeah. I mean, it was out of the gate. and It was just like a – it's one of those things where, like, you know, like, like the way Ryan describes it, like you're settling in, you know, and, like, like everybody's like – like people were losing their minds on Twitter for like 30 minutes because it's just like Jameis picks Jameis, and like you could tell uh, like how unsettled Jameis was and how it, in a weird way like throwing that interception breach almost maybe got him to check back in and get ready to play. That's kind of what it feels like all the time with him. It is literally all or nothing. If he was your chef, he's the guy who could make you an exquisite five course French meal, or he's the guy who could accidentally amputate your left arm with his cooking knife. You just don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get all the yardage or you're going to get all the interceptions. You're going to get the touchdowns. You're going to get the interceptions. It's just all or nothing with him. And my favorite part of all of this is that literally an hour before this game, we had uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, saying, hey, Tampa's locked into getting Jameis. He is on board for next season. They're going to use a tag. And this was totally one of those could turn into a hold my beer meme because Jameis was like, they're signing me next season. Wait till you see what I'm going to do in this game. I'm going to go out there and uh, throw a pick six on my first pass. So this is totally, Brent, so you said Jameis Winston Coaster, man. I don't know what you do. I think you have to keep him absolutely at least one more year with Bruce Arians to see how well he adjusts and if he'll ever cut down on these interceptions. I'm starting to feel like he won't. Uh, <laughs> and you know what, though? What clued you in? <laughs> It was only today's game. It wasn't anything else ever. No, it's just it, – I don't know what you do. But, you know, I will give him the benefit of the doubt on one thing. I think they had two guys out there catching passes that had never played an NFL game before. He didn't have Chris Godwin. He didn't have Mike Evans. So this was a bare-bones receiving core that he was working with. He probably – you know, you want to have a little bit of chemistry with these guys. They're zero. So, you know, this was a bad performance, but – Considering who he was working with, I don't think it was his worst game ever. Well, let me let me ask you guys this because uh, Pro Football Focus's Steve Palazzolo tweeted this out during the game, and it's a great question. And I know I knew immediately which way I would go. Would you rather have for the next three years James Winston or your boy Sean Derek Carr? I didn't even hesitate. Uh, oh my god! That's what like, would you rather just made? Would you rather poke out your left eye or your right eye? Would you rather cut off your right thumb or your left thumb, Sean? And yeah, that's worth mentioning, by the way. James uh, no, was, still, like, was still injured. It's like, I think it's like, would you rather abruptly have your entire arm sliced off by a flying guillotine, or would you like to see like a tiny little man like shave down your thumb? slowly over the course of like like time, like 10 years like that's what Derek Carr is just slow painful death and James so which way are you guys going single left or right give me James well we gotta let Sean pick because he remote. hates them both it's not remotely close you take Sean fell asleep what's going on over there you okay I, I can't decide I can't live with either choice Debo like, we're gonna I, need you to cut that noise that Sean made uh, <laughs> uh, uh. oh my it, gosh it was literally paining me to think about having to pick three all right you think some more breach what are you doing I would take Jameis Winston all the way. It's like, you 100%. know what? Do you want the crazy hot chick or do you want like the average girl that is just has a terrible arm? She has a terrible arm and doesn't like pizza. So you can never eat pizza while she's around. Do you want the, it's, I'm taking Jameis. I'm taking Jameis. At least with Jameis. I mean, I think the thing that we've seen with Bruce Arians so far this year is that you can harness his power a little For good, not just evil. It's exactly. Like, Whereas, and by the way, Jameis Winston, um, he would be uh, 25 years old. He'll turn 26 on January uh, 6th. Derek Carr, I believe, 28, and will turn 29 this offseason. So Let me put it to this way, Sean. Who would John Gruden rather have right now? I Look, I, w- I would take Jameis. I, I think Jameis, even yeah, though the turnovers are a problem. Fully and clear. Own it. Yeah, no, I, I, I will say it that one time, and that's it. <laughs> You take James Winston on the Bears right now. 100%. 
Yeah, he didn't even answer. Yes, out of yes, out of yes. The question is Mitch Trubisky or Jameis Winston. Of course, it's Jameis Winston. Okay, Chase Daniel or, or Jameis Winston. You can have that. Option too. <laughs> By the way, uh, I, I think John Gruden would rather have Jameis Winston right now too, and going forward next year. I used to joke that he was for sure going to end up in Vegas. It's not going to happen anymore, but it seemed before the year like the perfect landing spot for him. So yeah, he throws a lot of interceptions. We can all agree on that. But he actually throws a lot of touchdowns as well. And he's gonna he's gonna throw for five thousand yards this year. Like yeah. he only needs he needs less than a hundred yards in week seventeen to throw for five thousand yards, which has only happened eleven times in NFL history. He could also break two records in one game. He needs five hundred and seventy yards, which sounds ridiculous, but this is Jameis Winston we're talking about, so I'm not gonna rule out anything. He needs five hundred and seventy yards against the Falcons to break the single season passing record, which is held by Peyton Manning, and that would also break the single game passing record, which is held by Norm Van Brocklin. And you know what? If there is one quarterback who could pull this off while also throwing 12 interceptions in the game, <laughs> it is absolutely Jameis Winston. So I but, think but, unfortunately, Breach, he won't hold either record very long because Andy Dalton's going to throw for 12,000 passing yards. <laughs> hey, Dalton's going up against the Browns. Brinson, don't make the jokes. He's going to set the records. It's not he, done. He could throw 8,000 against the, the uh, Dolphins in Week 16 today, and then he could throw another uh, 4,000 against the Browns. Uh, you know what's funny about this whole Jameis Winston thing, this whole roller coaster ride off a cliff, is that it totally overshadowed how crappy the Texans' offense yep. played. Because everyone after this game was only talking about Jameis Winston. When the Texans are the team that are still going to be playing in two weeks, the Texans are the team uh, that – Everyone should be worrying about because we were saying, hey, the Bills are absolutely going to beat this team. And this game was an example why they couldn't move the ball at all against Tampa Bay. They were when you're forced to become one dimensional, they can't do anything. And well, that's the- I would I would argue that the problem was the um, first of all, the Buccaneers secondary has gotten a lot better. But mostly Bill O'Brien was just hell bent on running on first down with Car- with Carlos Hyde. He ran 17 times for 27 yards. You're playing against one of the all-time great pass funnels with with cornerbacks who've gotten better, but you have Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Stills, and Will Fuller, and you think your best, most efficient offensive approach is to pound Carlos Hyde at the middle against Vita Vea and Ndamukong Sue, the best run-blocking duo in the entire NFL? What the hell is the matter with you, Bob? And Will that Fuller is why they're going to lose. injured. Well, Will Fuller left. And he was yeah, out. but let's just assume he's not going to be playing uh, any full games for the rest of the time because that's literally every podcast that we talk about the Texans starts also, with Will also, Fuller got injured. Uh, Bill O'Brien said after the game he was going to play his starters in Week 17 against the Titans, even though it's a meaningless game. You can almost guarantee he's going to trot Will Fuller out there. Like he's going <laughs> to trot Will Fuller out there. He's going to rip his hamstring off because that offense goes to total crap when Will, Will Fuller's not in there. Like for whatever reason – I don't it's know like what the Patriots and Julian Edelman and no one else. That's what happened. Or the Eagles and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, you know, more accurate comparison because of the deep threat. But um, anyway, uh, my point is that you have Dre Hopkins and you have Jules, Jules out there and no other plan B, and you can shut those guys down if you defend them properly. But if DeAndre you have- Hopkins got nine targets. You're you're in a you're in a game against the, the wildest quarterback, the Jameis coaster in in the NFL. It's seventeen to seven and a half. You're telling me DeAndre Hopkins is leaving that game with nine targets. This needs to be a pepper spray, uh, spray and uh, spray and pray attack on on DeAndre Hopkins. You fire DeAndre Hopkins over and over and over and over again, and just let him win one on one. Run slants, run goes, run curls, run everything. He's the best. He can be the best receiver in football he, right now. Maybe behind Michael Thomas, whatever. But like nine. T- Targets to to he's probably being, If I had to guess, he's probably being double teamed because there's no one else out there. But that's probably why they didn't throw at him every time. Uh, to Brinson's point, the Texans finished with 161 passing yards. So 161 passing yards against the Buccaneers defense that gave up 490 to the Rams. That gave up 342 to the Cardinals. That gave up 312 to the New York Giants. And here we are. I mean, you, yes, the Buccaneers' pass defense has gotten a little bit better, but not enough better that you totally give up on the pass and run on every first down. So everything the Texans are doing is totally perplexing, and that is why Branson has been telling you this whole entire podcast to call your bookie Hammer. and get that, get that bet in against the Texans, no matter who they're playing in that first-round playoff game. The Bill O'Brien is 1-3 and three in the playoffs. So- and – uh, can we throw out that his only win came against the Bengals? So that doesn't even count as a win. 
Good point. Um, say, that was a better a, record than Andy Dalton. In the or no, I think they also beat the Raiders, but uh, Derek Carr was injured. So he has beaten the Bengals and, like, the Raiders. Third, uh, string uh, Gary Kubiak beat uh, Andy Dalton. Oh, yeah. Then the Phil O'Brien's only win came against Connor Cook. Connor Cook. Connor Cook. By the way, uh, Jameis Winston won the poll. Um, 2,900 respondents. 57.9% of the people wanted Jameis over Derek Carr. Did you did, – did somebody do that? Yeah, Steve. I said Steve Palazzolo put it out on Twitter during the game. I thought you, I thought you were like trying to claim that you just tweeted that and like three thousand people responded. To <laughs> I, I was wondering why you looked so shocked and uh, borderline upset. He tweeted out, used the hashtag Eddie Murphy to get everyone in who was on Twitter tonight. So Bill O'Brien's offenses have scored twenty-seven points against the oh, the the, the luck box Oakland Raiders, uh, sixteen points against the New England Patriots that year in two thousand and sixteen. They scored, oh, remember that year against, uh, Kansas City? They scored zero points against the Chiefs and they lost, uh, 30 to nothing. I think, was that Tyree Kill that took it back to the house? That, that first? That was Brandon Whedon in that game, I believe, right? Yeah, sure was. But who took, somebody took the kick to the house in that game. And they scored seven points against the Indianapolis Colts, uh, last year. Was that, and I could be crazy, that involved Deshaun Watson, who somehow went 29 to 49. For 235 and one touchdown and one interception against a Colts defense that wasn't very good. So I'm pretty convinced the Bills are going to thrash the Houston Texans. You're talking about a major coaching upgrade in Sean McDermott over Bill O'Brien. Oh, Um, my bad. That was Brian Hoyer. I actually wrote a story about this. Yep. And the headline is, Texans fans start saddest chant in NFL history. We want Whedon. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, because if you'll recall – uh, that was the impetus. That game, the 30 to nothing Chiefs loss, was the impetus for spending all that money on Brock Osweiler in free agents. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the kickoff return, it was the opening play. Niall Davis, 106 yards. I That's do remember right. this now. And yeah. so Bill O'Brien has been the coach for four playoff games, and the Texans have averaged 12 and a half points in yeah. those four games. That is not going to win you anything in the playoffs. Man, Texans. Brian Hoyer pulled a, a Jameis in the first half. He had four first-half turnovers. Oh, yeah, he did. That playoff loss. I'm telling you, they, that, they went out and got uh, Brock Osweiler because of that. And worth noting, too. Oh, man. Let's see. So they gave up, what, 23 to the uh, to the Buccaneers today, what did I say it was? 23? Yeah, 23-20. Yeah. 21 to the Titans the week before, 38 to the Broncos, 22 to the Patriots when they beat them, that lowly Patriots offense, 17 to the Colts, 41 to the Ravens. That's since the bye. Josh Allen is going to light them up. I'm going to tell you right now. Josh Allen's going to have a monster game against this Texas defense that's not very good. Devin Singletary's going to run the ball all over him. Josh Allen's going to chunk it deep twice to John Brown. Cole Beasley's going to chew him up underneath. And the Texans are going to be forced to throw when they get down early because Bill O'Brien runs on the first two possessions, goes three and out with Carlos Hyde three times. They're going to be forced to throw the entire game. And it's going to result in Deshaun Watson have a horrible stat line because this Bill's secondary is very good. The only silver lining in all this is that finally the Texans general manager will fire Bill O'Brien. Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. He can't do it. Yeah, like he's trying to fire me. Not going to happen. Um, I don't know. Like, can you hear SNL loudly? Um, it just popped onto my, uh, my, my office. Anyway, that's it for the show. Eddie Murphy back on SNL. Aren't you excited? I, I mean, I'm DVRing it, and I can hear the sound in the background, and you're spoiling it for me, which is like Sean spoiling uh, Star Wars. For instance, you got to just mute it, please. I, I don't have my remote for it, so I can't get to it. So let's just wrap up the podcast and call it a day. All right, we'll be back on Sunday night with a recap of Sunday night's action. Hope you guys did. NTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.